Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Well, with the USBC Open pattern being released earlier this week, thought it'd be great to sit down and chat with Mike Jazz now. Mike is the teaching pro slash cats instructor at the National Bowling Stadium in Reno, Nevada. He is a PBA champion and USBC Silver Certified Coach and Storm Instructional Staff Member. Mike, Tim Berg here. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you again. Thanks, Tim. I'm glad to be back. I always appreciate you having me on. Well, Mike, the, the big news this week is the 2015 Open Championship lane pattern was released. We'd love to get your thoughts, and we're going to be covering this at length with you and with other experts as well as the tournament gets underway here. But, Mike, what were your initial thoughts on the pattern this year in El Paso? Well, I saw the patterns last night when I got home, and uh, it's kind of funny how everybody gets so psyched up about this, and it is exciting to to know what you're going to be bowling on. Um, My first impression is, yes, I, I would expect lower scores than last year. Uh, and I think everybody else would come to that same conclusion. Um, the first thing I usually look at, and actually Barnes referenced this in his uh, USBC video, is kind of length and volume. You know, what I you know, jumped off the page immediately is five feet shorter with more volume, which tells me you're going to have a little bit more of that skid flippy reaction on the fresh. I think the other factor to consider. The last two years, the Open Championships have been at the stadium there in Reno on more worn-out lane surface. This year, they're putting new lanes in the stadium, but last year, those lanes had a lot of games on them, which tends to smooth out that transition front to back of ball reaction. I don't know. Tim, did you bowl on the showcase lanes in Reno the last few years for practice? I did actually. I did. We do that every year. That's a, a ritual for our our teams that we bring out there. So we bowled on that. 
good. And what I noticed, especially two years ago, when those showcase lanes are brand new, the ball went through the heads way quicker downstairs than what you saw upstairs. And that in turn gave a lot more back end re- reaction and recovery downstairs than what you saw upstairs. So that's the other part. Keep in mind, El Paso is a brand new build, which makes a little more skid flip reaction, assuming the same pattern. And then you add on top of that more volume in the heads on the new surface. I think there will be more skid flippy reaction, which brings us to how do you combat that? I think that can be done with some surface, adding surface to the ball, help it slow down a little bit quicker. And the other thing that I think is going to be very important this on this year's Open Championships patterns is watching your angle to the heads, your launch angles. With all that volume up front, if you get too much too steep of an angle through the heads, you should not expect that to recover. Yeah, so, yeah, the ball is going to be hydroplaning if you miss right is what it sounds like to me and what it looks like to me. And I know a lot of people, they look at this pattern and they say, oh, it's 38 feet. Well, that means here's where I should be playing. And I know a lot of people were talking possibly around, you know, somewhere around that 510 board. Is that kind of that same general area, speaking in generalities, of course, where you think folks are probably going to want to begin and then at least at the point of reference and then see what happens moving there forward? Well, I think that's pretty close. But, you know, I think, you know, that rule of 31, I think that reference is more the break point not actually where you're playing at the arrows as much. So I do think with that length pattern, your break point has to be to the right. That being said, for guys that like going straight, the break point can be in. I think the other thing that jumped off the page to me is the ratio side to side. It's a much flatter pattern. And from my experience, when there's a flatter pattern, there's more options and more different ways that can be effective as far as, you know, some guys with higher reverence might be able to play between 10 and 15. Some straighter guys might be playing around 10. Some other people might be playing out further. I think there's more ways to attack a flatter pattern, which then means they might not break down as nicely because not everyone is on top of each other. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think this year teams working together is going to be more of a vital role than it has been in the last couple of years at Reno? I think teams working together is always a vital role. <laughs> and not just playing the same line, but watching each other's balls go down the lane. Where is it picking up front to back? Don't just look at side to side reaction. Look at front to back. Where is that ball starting to read the lane? And I think watching each other's balls go down the lane can give you a lot of good information. When I work on the cat system there in Reno, I get to see launch angle. That's the angle of your, of your projection through the heads to a tenth of a degree. And what I find is a lot of bowlers are way more open in their angles to the heads than they know they are. And obviously on easier patterns, that ball comes back every time and they don't think they're swinging it much. But... Uh, they might be swinging more than they know, and then they get on a pattern that's flatter with oil to the right, and they don't like it. So, Mike, I know a lot of bowlers, we get all jazzed up on the first shot, and we focus, focus, focus on the first shot, but talk about how important it is to shoot a spare on a tough pattern and what we need to do to practice our spares as well before we come out to bowl the USBC Open. A lot of times when the condition is tougher for your first ball, 
it's also maybe a little bit tougher and a little bit different on your spare shots also. So hopefully everybody can, you know, find a center that can put down a similar pattern. And when you do that, make sure you shoot your spares. And if you have to tweak your spare system slightly, practice that before you get to the tournament. So you're comfortable with something different. But obviously when the scores are lower, spares become more of a factor. You know, if you bowl nine games and you have 15 missed spares, that's 150 pins you gave away. You know, you cut that in half, well, there's 75 pins that you gain by picking up your spares better. And even at that, you miss seven or eight spares in nine games. I bet you the guys that win all events don't. Exactly. And even sometimes it's it's the little things that you you know you want to maybe tweak, such as figure, you know, on this pattern it's gonna be your your you know, your bucket combinations, your two four fives. You know, maybe if you, you miss right and you leave a washout, how you're gonna shoot the you know, how you're gonna shoot your washouts and some of those things that a lot of sometimes the the people don't always think about, but you still need those are things that, like you said, the people that win all events and the people that score well, they make those. They make their buckets. They make their watch. Correct. You know, when they leave those, they make them because they practice them beforehand. Correct. And the other part of that is, you know, developing some kind of lane play plan and equipment plan that will help you to leave more makeable spares. You know, ideally, we want you lined up and and using the equipment that when you miss a little bit, you leave a make a little spare. You don't leave some designer crap that you don't want to look at or have to shoot. So, Mike, I think we're talking for surfaces. We've hit a lot on the team. Let's uh, let's move to doubles and singles and talk about a little bit about the doubles and singles and what your thoughts are for that pattern. Because now we're gonna have we're gonna have less bowlers. It's gonna be like last year where you have six on a pair. So, talk about the doubles right. and singles and how you think that's gonna work and some of the you know some of the thoughts on that. Well, you know, I think both patterns are more similar to Baton Rouge in 2012 than the last few years at the stadium. Now, I personally wasn't in Baton Rouge, so I didn't see any bowling personally, but I heard reports of it. Um, And again, if you look at the Baton Rouge scores, they were overall lower. So I think on both patterns this year, on the fresh condition, Playing further right is probably going to be more advantageous than playing too deep. I think using stable, more smooth reacting equipment is good on the fresh. I wouldn't even rule out your thing for the fresh and playing pretty far to the right and pretty direct. You know, with the volume in the heads, actually on both patterns, there may be a hair bit of hold in the heads. I don't think there's room to the right in the heads, but also on both patterns, I think there's not much hold down the lane in the middle. So the miss area might be to the right down the lane, but if your angles are squaring up through the heads on both patterns, you may find a, a touch bit of hold in the heads. Um, you know, both plat- patterns are flatter than recent years. I do believe someone had told me that that the um, Billings tournament, the pattern was about the same ratios and the people that played out tended to score better. So I do think that's kind of the plan of attack on both. It's to start further right, gives you more angle, which inherently comes with a little bit better pin carry. You know, and I know I'm, I'm being fairly vague and I'm sorry about that, 
but nobody has bowled on these patterns on the installation in El Paso yet. So until that happens, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We can guess, and hopefully our, our guesses are, are close. Well, exactly, and I know one of the things the, the folks made reference to in the USB-C video, which we're going we're gonna to put here in the, in the, on the Above180.com website, it's going to be there for you, is they encourage folks to talk to their local centers to put out this pattern, and they, it seemed to me like they were kind of trying to say how they kind of designed it easy enough so that you could put it out and you could take it to your local house and practice on it. Does that, is that what you were gathering from that as well, Mike, when they were talking earlier about the thought process going into the pattern? Absolutely. And I think it's a great idea. And don't get too caught up on, oh, my God, we have to have it exact. You don't. You want to have some idea. And if you're used to only bowling on typical house shots, any kind of tougher pattern will be great practice. You know, year to year, when you talk about the Open Championships, the Women's Championships, Junior Gold is another great example of a, a tough tournament with tough conditions. The people that do well on tournaments practice on those types of conditions more. So they're more prepared when they get there. Their game is in better shape when they get there. You know, I think uh, too many bowlers get caught up, oh, this pattern, this pattern. It doesn't matter what the pattern is if you're throwing a ball like crap. So <laughs> you've got to really the focus on all patterns. The ultimate goal is make good, clean, consistent shots. That will give you your best chance of having the ball reaction you're looking for and the best chance of giving you a little bit more room for error. And I think that's the main thing people will see this year on these two patterns is the room for error will be less than last year, especially. It doesn't mean there's not any room for error. It means there's less room for error. So by all means, talk to your local center. See if they can put something similar out or maybe even start a six-week little league or get-together practice sessions on the pattern if you can. You know, approach your provider and say, hey, if I get 20 guys to come practice, can you put this down for us? And I'd be surprised if the proprietor said no. Exactly, and then make sure you throw on it, you know, you go bowl on it at different times too because the last thing you want is to go in there, you and your buddy go in there and throw, and it's fresh, and you guys each throw even six games, well, what is that? I mean, is that even not even through the maybe the first game, just over the first game? Correct. So you haven't you haven't noticed any, no. you know, barely any of the carry down, and it's not like even on this pattern, you probably won't have had to have moved very much, but you need to be able to practice on it, you know, beginning, middle, and end, so to speak, of of right. uh, to to just get a, a feel of things. Correct. Ideally, you'd have eight or ten people on the pair to get more of a breakdown to see more of a change, and you know, I remember when I did the team practices for USBC in uh, 2008 and 2009, I would make teams warm up for 10 minutes and I would make everybody shoot every spare they left. And they're like, why do you want us to do that? Well, that's what you have to do in the tournament. Don't just throw first balls for an hour. You can wall them up really nicely. But you're not allowed to do that in the tournament. And Mike, sit tight. I want to talk about the left-hand side next. But first, let's check in with Bowling This Month owner, Bill Semsrat. Hi, Tim. Bill Semsrat here from BowlingThisMonth.com. This week, I'd like to highlight three new BTM instructional articles that I think your listeners will really enjoy. First up, we've got Canadian National Team Head Coach Tyrell Rose with an article about footwork, where he covers some important footwork details that are often overlooked by bowlers of all skill levels. 
Next, we've got a really interesting article from Dr. Chris Masano about how bowlers can start thinking and behaving more like athletes, which is definitely a very important topic right now as bowling continues its push to become an Olympic sport. And then finally, we've got a great new article from USBC Gold coach Joe Slowinski on how bowlers can comprehensively evaluate the state of their games, how they can set their bowling goals for 2015, and then how they can develop a training plan to help them meet their goals. For all this and more, please check out BowlingThisMonth.com. Back to you, Tim. Great stuff, Bill. Thank you. Mike, also, you write for the Bowling This Month online, so check out all of Mike's stuff at the BowlingThisMonth.com website. Well, Mike, how do you think the lefties, the Matt McNeils of the world, are going to approach the USBC Open? The patterns are comparable side to side. Obviously, the right side is going to have more play. Um, you know, but I think the theories are, are basically the same. And obviously, the lefties are used to the lane that transitioning as much as the right, which sometimes is a help, sometimes is a hindrance. So, but I don't see any major differences in philosophy, right and left necessarily. All right, and then final question for you, Mike, and I know we're talking in kind of vague generalities, but if, if someone were to say they're bowling next week or the week after and they're putting together a six-ball arsenal, just a very, and we don't have to go into which company, manufacturer, but just kind of the characteristics that we're looking for out of those six balls and, and what we should be bringing with us to El Paso. Well, I, I think I'd approach it like going to any sports shot tournament. You want maybe something pearlized with a pin-up, if, if you have room, maybe pearlized, pin down, some without the reaction. Uh, you want something solid, pin-up, something solid, pin down. If you take a spare ball, by all means, take it. <laughs> uh, make sure you have pads that you can adjust surfaces if needed. Uh, we were talking before we got on air here about you change the surface on the ball, it reacted totally differently. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Obviously, on the tournament site, if you can get on the practice lanes, by all means, do that. And I think what most bowlers should try to do this year, you know, every year, but especially this year, go in with an open mind. Try not to have too much of a preconceived notion of what ball I have to throw and I have to do this. This is what worked at home. When you're in El Paso, you're not at home, unless you live in El Paso, obviously. <laughs> but... Um, you know, a lot of bowlers get caught up, even if they practice on the pattern, they have an idea, okay, this is our, our plan of attack. And they get so married to it, if it doesn't work right, they don't know what else to do. So I, I hope everybody goes in with an open mind. And, you know, I think you have to watch ball reaction. Another thing when you guys are all practicing in the next couple months for the tournament, one thing that helped me immensely become a better bowler was being more honest with myself about my shot quality. Remember when I was a junior, I had a, a pro that was helping me and I'd leave a 10 pin and he'd say, was that a good shot? I said, yeah. And he goes, actually you missed in and it wasn't as clean off your hand. And when I start to really realize, to be honest with myself, okay, was that really a good shot or was there a reason I left something or a reason the ball didn't react better? I became a way better bowler. So as you guys are practicing, kind of be honest with yourselves. If the ball doesn't react the way you thought it would, picture out, hey, was that a good shot? Was I bounced? Was it clean off my hand? If it wasn't, that's why the ball didn't react right. It had nothing to do with the pattern. It had to do with the quality of your shot. So, so Mike, again, goes back to the ultimate goal of make good, consistent, clean shots. 
that's your best chance of doing anything. So, Mike, final question I have for you to put you on the spot once again is where do you see the numbers being when this is all said and done and we're handing out eagles at the end of uh, end of July here? <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's a really tough question. Yeah, exactly. If you think back to the Masters this year, and it was a fairly flat, I think it was like a 1.6 to 1 or to pattern, you know, fairly flat. I believe the first round, Pete Weber averaged over 260. <laughs> now, meanwhile, there are people that couldn't shoot 200, and which that's why Pete Weber is Pete Weber. <laughs> but I think, and I know from experience on tour, even when they were butt ugly tough, somebody in that building hit them and averaged 230 or 240. Now, that might be for one block. It might, I think it's going to be tough to go three consecutive sets shooting phone numbers, but you know, as good as a lot of these bowlers and teams are and how smart bowlers have become, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a team shot close to 3,400. That would be a huge number, I think. Um, you know, so maybe 33, something might be more realistic. But even like last year, that team shot 37. That's crazy, even on a, a flat wall. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think mid-33 would have a chance of, of winning. I wouldn't rule out a 34. Uh, singles, man, that's a crap shoot. Somebody can get hot and shoot 825 on almost anything. But, again, it's a, the pressure of nationals. And when it comes down to that final game and you're going for 800, that's not an easy game always. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see an 800 in singles. It wouldn't surprise me to be, see 767, probably 7778 wins either. And same in doubles. God, that's just so hard. Uh, I, you know, I don't think a mid four team will happen. Uh, but I could see a high 13 or maybe a low 14 winning all events. Same kind of thing. Somebody's going to strike a lot. I don't know who. Maybe it'll be you, Tim. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I would expect over 2,100. I would expect under uh, 2,250 or so. Again, all ball, ballpark figures. Yeah. And uh, who knows? The thing you got to wonder for doubles is if you get two guys whose games are very similar and they both get get locked in, you know, then then you might see a fourteen fifty come out of there because they, you know, each shooting seven and a quarter or something, where they're just right. both I doing, agree. doing that where their their styles are similar and they play the you know the outside part of the lane and they keep keep the ball in play. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna I agree. Say, I'm going to say uh, your doubles. I think you're a little bit low, possibly. I think there are some guys that are going to, you know, the way they pair each other up, they, they have the similar styles, and that might they might click on that right day. But who knows? Like you said, it's all a crapshoot at this point. So, um, Mike, right. yeah. it was great talking I'm to you. I'm kind of excited for this year's tournament. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be working the Women's Nationals at Reno. But I'm excited for the Open Championships. I think it's going to be good to see something different as far as pattern, as far as scoring pace. And I hope bowlers go into it looking forward to the challenge and looking forward to doing something 
that they might not be used to doing rather than thinking, oh, this is going to suck. It's not going to be any fun. We're not going to strike. You know, I think maybe just challenge yourself than challenge, you know, if you're in that 205 average range, okay, maybe you're not bowling for an eagle, but you can bowl for a personal high on a sports shot, you know? So I hope people go into it with the right mindset and look forward to what they're going to bowl on instead of fearing it or kind of dreading it. Well, does that make sense? It does, and that's where what you said, if you go in, you got to go in with that mindset, but then if you also go in, and you were talking earlier, alluded to a lot of the junior events, the reason those kids don't go in and they're not intimidated is because that's all they bowl on. So practice on this stuff, because then when you, go to, you go to El Paso, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, obviously, it's different surroundings and slightly different, but it's not going to be that much of a wow factor like it is. And, and that's what amazes me. You know, you, you watch these kids, the A.J. Johnsons of the world, and these young guys that are just, and gals too, frankly, that are just, you know, crushing it. And they go to El Paso, they go to Reno, they go to Nationals, and it's it's nothing for them. They, they, the stage has never seemed too big for these folks because they, they're doing it their whole college career. So um, Correct. And, and the conditions don't don't throw them either because they're used to bowling on those conditions. Exactly. And so, Mike, I want to take the last minute here. Talk about, you said you're going to be out in Reno, Lane 81, at the at the women's and the mixed tournament, which is a new thing we were kind of talking about too off air. But just people yep. need to come out and find you. Where, where can they find you in Reno? And, I mean, because you're still out there. People still should just make you as a destination, you know, a lesson with you. All the, all the best in the world. Do it. And, um, and where can they find you, though, Mike? Well, I will be on Lane 81 in the pro shop at the stadium from April 10th through June 30th. So even if you're going to El Paso, Come up to Reno, get a little tune-up on your game. We can talk about the patterns and, you know, the way social media is. We'll all have great updates from El Paso every day. <laughs> so as the tournament goes on, I should have better and better information about what's working, what people are using, how to attack, and we can talk about it during a lesson in Reno, even though it's not on the same pattern. I do plan on having the women's championship pattern down for the duration of when I'm going to be there during that tournament. Um, I have a coach, Mike Jasno, Facebook page, so you can find me on there. Uh, you can email me. My email address is bowlbetter at hotmail.com. Uh, even last time I worked at women's tournament, I did a lot of lessons with the guys. So, you know, when I'm there this year, it's not just for the women's championships. It's for anyone who wants help with the bowling. Great stuff, Mike, and we're going to be in touch and appreciate all you do for the sport. And let's uh, let's stay in touch and by all means, folks, Mike, like Mike said, take a lesson from him. I've done two, and and he still talks to me. So obviously, Mike, <laughs> Mike knows his game, and, and he can uh, he can help anyone out here. So take a lesson from Mike, and and just uh, you know what, it's one and of it's those... really for you know the lessons are really for all abilities. I've worked with people that average below fifty to you know the touring pros. You know, little tips can go a long way for anyone. So don't be intimidated. Thanks for joining me on the show today. And, and by all means, if you need anything, you just give us a ring and we'll be right back in touch with you, okay? Great. Thanks, Tim. I always appreciate it. Have a great day.